0: for what that represents. The timing is super important, okay? So I'm gonna draw a little rocket, try not to fall off the stage here, right? So this is much less exciting than the one that's on the other side of the stage, but you get the point, okay? So the rocket takes off, right? And just as it reaches the end of its fuel cell, the trajectory starts to do this. Now, as I said, if it's a single-stage rocket, it will just continue to do this, Right? And fall back to wherever it took off from. Okay? So this right here is the apex of a single-stage rocket. However, if you have a multi-stage rocket that's flying here, we have another rocket here. I know. You're impressed. I will lead classes later. Um, So we have this flying, right? Uh, What happens is is just at the right moment, so as it begins to kind of what they call tip off. It's called the tip-off point in rocketry. Just at that point, it ignites the secondary stage, sheds the old cell, and begins flying in the same direction of its intended target, right? So this is the tip-off point right here, okay? So here's, here's the thing about the tip-off point. If, if, you get, if you ignite the secondary cell too early, okay, now you're like, man, I didn't know how to sign up for a rocket lesson. This is awesome, Pastor Rick. Um, <laughs> If you ignite it too early, then you've wasted fuel that was in the initial cell or cells, and and basically, you will sell yourself short of where you're trying to go. But if you wait too long and it starts to tip off and level off, then you spend too much fuel trying to correct course, or you just miss your target altogether, okay? So that is the idea of... A stage, a multi-stage rocket. I know you guys are thinking that is amazing, right? So thank you, thank you, thank you. So so you have you have a, a, a stage two of the rocketry. Basically, the rocket's flying here. Now, in the life of an organization, you have what's called a curve. This is how we visualize the life of an organization. There is a start and an end to every organization, and it's represented by a visual that we like to call in the expert world, because clearly I'm an expert, the Sigmund curve, all right? So you have an organization starting right here. Let's just pretend that this is center church, okay? So we have CC down here. If an organization has a beginning and an end, then obviously it's gonna grow, it's gonna grow, it's gonna grow, eventually it's gonna reach the top of its potential life cycle, and then it could go down here, and level off until the point where it doesn't exist anymore. This is called the Sigmund curve, okay? This represents the life cycle of every organization. But there's a a way, there's a a term that is designed to communicate what happens when an organization uh, decides that before it starts heading back down to the end of its life cycle, it reinvents itself. It revisions for its future. It refocuses on the thing that it wants to accomplish, and it changes the trajectory at this point, hopefully. Could be down here, but hopefully at this point, and it begins another upward curve, right here. This is called jumping the curve, all right? Okay, now, if I were to flip this back over, all right, and show you what looks like A second stage rocket, potential flight, and likely flight, and I were to come back over here, and I would just point out to you the likelihood or the likeness of the two trajectories, right? So you have, if a rocket were to take off and reach the point where it needed to ignite its second stage, it would hopefully have success, and it would jump the curve, and it would begin flying even higher, but from a higher starting point. Giving it the capacity to reach even higher and better goals. Okay, so I've set the stage for you to go, what the heck are you talking about, Pastor Rick? All right, today we want to talk about stage two for Center Church. The initial stage, the initial trajectory of Center Church has been awesome. Uh, When we started the Plan A conversation a few months ago, Uh, We had basically celebrated five years, almost to the week, uh, when we started talking about it, five years of existing as a church. Stage one of Center Church has accomplished incredible things for God's glory, and it's been through the people of Center Church. But through the conversation of Plan A and what God's doing in this church, we believe we are here. We are at the beginning of stage two. So to understand what's happening here is we believe that God has given us a second stage, a, a revisioning, a refocusing that we've called the plan A that's going to allow us to jump what could be the curve that would start to trend down. Maybe not, but we believe right here, this is where we are, that God is igniting a new stage for senators, church, that he's igniting a new, a new uh, phase of life, and we're calling it stage two. So in order to help you understand a little bit more of what that looks like, I'm going to invite my good friend, Pastor Kelly, up uh, to talk more about that. So give him a hand. Thanks, Pastor Rick. I yeah. appreciate that.
1: <laughs> Thanks, brother. Uh, I got I to gotta do something fun first. I got to call a timeout. Um, not that everything else isn't going to be fun. Don't, don't misunderstand uh, where I'm going there. Uh, but today is a big day. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, today is my friend Riley's 16th birthday. <laughs> Riley, could you come on up here, buddy? Uh, come on up here, my man. Uh, so since it's your birthday, uh, I got you, first of all, a cake pop. Because you need birthday cake for, uh, for your 16th birthday. And uh, I also wanted to share this verse, um, a pretty well-known verse uh, from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Paul is writing to... Uh, his young protege, Timothy, effectively took over the leadership of a church as basically a teenager, and he was leading up to people who were so much older than him, and uh, this was at a very like, foundational period of the church. There wasn't a lot to support him. Like, he was on his own, and he had Paul's encouragement and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that was it. And uh, Riley, I've known you since you were probably, I don't know, seven years old, maybe, somewhere right around there, seven, eight, uh, and uh, I think you know this already, but you're, you've always been a leader. And uh, so I want to share this, this verse with you. Paul, Paul's instruction to Timothy is, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but rather set an example for the believers in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. And uh, I want to commend you for doing that thus far, uh, but I also want to pray that God will open new doors for you to do that in uh, even greater ways in the future. So would you pray for me with Riley? Lord, thank you for this young man, and thank you for the potential that lies ahead of him. Thank you that you have called him from a young age, that uh, he's found himself in you uh, early. So, Lord, I pray that you would give him wisdom to lead people and wisdom to discern right from wrong and act accordingly. God, I pray you would bless him and take him places and give him dreams that he could never have imagined apart from you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I got one other thing for you just for fun, brother. You can, you can take that one. You don't have to open it in front of all of us. All right, love you, buddy. Hey, can we give Riley, give Riley a hand? Thank you, man. Proud of you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, uh, man, I've, I've not felt well this week. It seems to be, seems to be going around. And what's funny, I've discovered, uh, now that I'm 41 and sick, is that like, the body bounces back, but my brain is still like, functioning at half the speed that it normally would, which is pretty scary, because some of you have seen it at its best. And, you know, it's not, uh, it's not all that impressive. Um, I have, uh, I have some, something just really on my heart. It was funny this week. I was um, trying to really write down and organize my thoughts, but um, I wanted to just share an experience that Brandy and I had when, uh, when we first made the decision that ministry was going to be our life. Uh, I, I am, uh, as are some of you, I'm a first-generation college graduate. Uh, and my path through that was very non-traditional. I had buddies that, like, we grew up, and they graduated from high school, and then the next fall, they went off to college. And when that was over four years later, they went into their career field, and that drove me nuts. Uh, that just irritated me for some reason, because uh, you know, my, my struggle through that process was so much different. And it took me a while to get comfortable with the fact that that just wasn't the trajectory God had me on. And by questioning that and being frustrated with it, I was actually questioning whether or not I thought God actually knew what he was doing. Uh, And so eventually I warmed up to the fact that, okay, God probably knows some things I don't know, and it's probably okay, he probably has his reasons, Um, but my path was very non-traditional. See, I, I grew up with an expectation that what I would do is I would get out of high school, and I would get a job that was sustainable, and then I would spend the rest of my life trying not to lose that job and just protecting what I had, right? Just build a little bubble, a little safety bubble, and just have a good life. That was kind of, my, kind of my expectation. And so what happened was I got out of high school, and within like a year, well, I kind of had that job. And so Brandy and I got married, and we bought a little house. And, and uh, I was talking with somebody who was influential in my life uh, one day, and we were talking about my job. And they said, oh, that's a good job. Make sure you don't lose it. And it was funny because... Uh, as soon as I heard that, it had the exact adverse effect that they intended. Uh, what it made me think was, I'm like 21 years old at this point. Do I want to spend the rest of my life just trying not to lose this job? Like, do I want, really want it to be about that? Uh, you know, that, for me and in my internal wiring, I, I'm a little bit, I'm kind of wired achiever, entrepreneurial. For me, I was like, whoa, I'm not there yet. Like, I, I'm not ready to settle into that. And so... Um, I have been rolling around this idea that I think God might be calling me into into ministry to be a pastor for a vocation. Now, uh, I don't think there's necessarily like secular and sec and sacred, secular and sacred occupations. Uh, I think following God's plan A for your life is sacred, no matter what you do for a living. Uh, but for me, I had this particular burden. I just didn't have a pathway. I couldn't see how I was going to get there, and so. Uh, I had a friend, a mentor uh, in my life who is a pastor, and, and, uh, and he said to me one day in our conversation, he said, uh, he said you know, if you want to do this, I'll help you, I'll encourage you, I'll open every door that I can possibly open for you, but if you want to do this, you need to go do it. You need, you need to leave what's behind behind, and you need to go do it. Otherwise, you need to just move on, because you're going to spend your whole life going back and forth. So if you're going to do this, you need to, just, you need to go do it. And, uh, and in the course of time, he definitely did encourage me. He definitely did open doors for me. He was very much a way maker for me. And uh, I'm so thankful for uh, God putting him in my life to be that way maker. And one thing that I am supremely thankful for is that I didn't decide to go the other direction. That I didn't decide I'm just going to protect what I have. I decided that I wanted to take a risk. I'm so thankful that I took the risk. And God put the waymakers in my life exactly when I needed them at exactly the right time. Have you had in your life people who were waymakers for you? People who made a way for you uh, when otherwise there wouldn't have been one. Now The other night, our spiritual advisory council, we call them, we had dinner together. That's myself and Brandy, uh, Pastor Rick and Thea, Paul and Chris, uh, and Brandon and Danielle who are here somewhere. Uh, we had dinner together. We were talking about the conversation we're, we're having today. And uh, I asked the question around the table, uh, name someone who was supposed to be a non-family member, but three of the people had a really hard time with those instructions. (laughs) Name someone who in your life was a way maker for you. And we just went around and talked about the people who've made a difference in our lives, the people who somehow have contributed things to our lives that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Can you think of people in your life who have been way makers for you in small ways or great? Um, I have a friend who has perhaps the most dramatic way-making story uh, that I know of. Uh, he's actually a, a former customer who I just got to know over the years. And, um, at the time that uh, he told me his life story, he had just retired. He had just sold his business. Uh, he had just closed it. Uh, he was in the restaurant business, and I believe at the, the last transaction he did, he sold off his last 18 restaurants. So just to give you a picture, uh, this was, he was very successful at what he at what he did, and uh, he started to tell me his life story. And he said, you know, I really understand when people talk about feeling like they have no opportunity, they have no hope, they uh, they have no way to get a leg up. He said, I understand how that feels because I started life as a poor, overweight kid living with a single parent in the projects of Philadelphia. He said, add to that, I was the only white kid on my street. And he said, I understand what it's like to feel hopeless. He said, that was my daily experience. And they told me one day uh, there was this Lutheran church down the street from his apartment. You know, the kind of inner city ones? They have like this huge grand old building and there's like nine people to go there. Uh, it was one of those, how he described it. And he, uh, he said he was outside one day and these two ladies from the church were going around the neighborhood inviting kids to come to a, a, a vacation Bible school. And, uh, and so he went and, uh, and then he went back and then he went back and he said... I kept going back to this church because I knew that they were going to feed me, and I knew they weren't going to beat me up. That was, that was his life. That was, where, that was where he was. And uh, he said, so I just, kept, I just kept going back. And, you know, these ladies were just really sweet to me. They just were trying to help me out in small ways. They saw that my shoes were worn out, so, so they got me some new shoes. And, and summertime came around, and they asked me if I wanted to go to this summer camp. And he said, I didn't even really know what a summer camp was, uh, when they described it, it sounded like Disneyland, <laughs> sounded amazing, but you know, kids from my neighborhood don't get to go to summer camp, so I, I didn't know, but they paid for him to go to this summer camp, and he said, the worst day of my life was when we had to get on the bus and leave summer camp, he said, it was the most amazing experience of my life, and so he kept going back to this Lutheran church and interacting with this small group of people, and, uh, and then uh, through their encouragement, he made his way through high school, and it came time for him to graduate, and they said, so, uh, Tom was his name, He said, Tom, we're Where are you going to go to college? College? Kids from my neighborhood don't go to college. No, Tom, where do you want to go to college? And they literally sent him off to college, paid his way through college. Unbelievable, right? Amazing, amazing story. Well, eventually, of course, he graduated from college and went into business and, and was very successful. And when I was having this conversation, he had just retired. And what that looked like was he left hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table so that he could help some people who worked for him uh, and would otherwise have no chance to own a business take over the company that had given him so much. And he said, I have no capacity to repay what these women did for me. The only thing I can possibly do is help somebody else. And I thought, man, those are a couple of waymakers, right? Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Now, we, we'd all love to be able to do something that dramatic. But if you think about the people who are Waymakers in your life, most of them did pretty small things, didn't they? Most of them (laughs) did small things that said you matter. They included you in something that maybe their family was doing that you didn't have the opportunity to do. Or they helped you believe in yourself when you didn't have any confidence. Or maybe uh, they helped you, uh, they encouraged you in your marriage or in your faith or in raising your kids at a time when you were really discouraged. Most of the Waymakers, did the small things in our lives that made a big, big difference. Helping people know Jesus is about being a waymaker, not a superhero. It's about being a waymaker. Our BHAG that Pastor Rick talked about to reach 100 families is about being waymakers for people, not being super evangelists. We, uh, you're familiar with the term evangelism. Uh, it's, it's kind of a churchy sounding word, but it's actually not a Christian term. Um, it's really commonly used in uh, like internet commerce or the social media industry or marketing. Uh, it's pretty commonly used, but it has a special connotation in Christian circles. When I say evangelism, this is what, this is what it sounds like uh, if you've been in church for a long time. Uh, Monday morning, I'm at the office. Hey, atheist coworker Bill. How was your Sunday? Good, weird Christian coworker, Kelly. How was yours? Well, my pastor says I got to tell you about Jesus, so you want to knock that out now or wait till later? I'd rather do it now so I don't have to feel guilty. You could just go ahead and reject me and we could call it good. You think something like along those lines when you think of evangelism? Uh, that's, That's what I think of too. But you know what evangelism is? It's telling somebody about something you're passionate about. That's, that's what it is. Changing, strengthening families is something I'm passionate about. Uh, I know what our relationship with Christ has done in our home, and I'm excited to tell people, guess what? Jesus can do it in your life too. God can make that kind of difference. Evangelism isn't being weird. It's not convincing people to be like you. It's making a way for them, making a way for them to discover what you've discovered. So, Uh, You might remember at our last Plan A Sunday. Now, this is is kind of the big piece for this particular week. Last Plan A Sunday, we talked about uh, sort of recalibrating our entire philosophy of ministry to really prioritize uh, strengthening families, helping people know Jesus through strengthening families. And we've made uh, small changes already thus far. One of them is uh, in the area of our kids' ministry. Pastor Rook will talk a little more about this in just a second. Uh, but we've started trying to create more parent resources because the biblical plan A for raising kids to know Jesus is not Thea, although she's down there doing an amazing job. It's actually the parents. Okay? If you have kids, you are God's plan A for helping them know him. So we've reoriented that. And one of the things that we said last time is that relocation is not a possibility. It's an eventuality. And now we've, we've been talking about that for a couple of years, but the big difference that we said last time, and you'll, you'll probably remember this, is that uh, for a couple of years now, we've been trying to find somewhere just immediately local, really close to where we are, uh, but nothing has presented itself as compelling or a clear door that God has swung open for us. So last time we said, we're sort of broadening that up and just saying, God, where would you send us? Lord, where, where will you send us? We'll go that direction. And so... Uh, This is where we really engaged with our spiritual advisory council and tried to have robust dialogue and prayer over this. So here's where we're at. One reality we're up against is that we can't stay where we are, practically speaking, because uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, but one being, uh, if you look around, it doesn't take very long to figure out that this place actually needs more repair than what it would be worth after the repairs were done. Like, it just doesn't pencil out. I mean, that's not very spiritual sounding. It's just sort of a fundamental reality. Uh, But the truth is, even if it weren't in a state of disrepair, uh, it still wouldn't facilitate our BHAG. So if we're saying this is our goal, we need to pursue our goal. Uh, Probably a third just practical reality, reason why we can't stay right here in this particular location, uh, is that after (laughs) five and a half years, uh, speaking of the life cycle and the curve, uh, we have reached the pinnacle of that. We've kind of had a little bit of a sort of a plateau over the last couple of years. And so um, I guess you could say in short, we kind of know what we're, what we're gonna get at this point. So for those practical reasons and a bunch of others, the bottom line is we, we have to go. We have to go to the next phase. So the question then becomes, where do we go? Where, where do we go from here? I don't think it's a hard sell to say, uh, we would like to move on to another place. If you've been around here for five years, uh, matt Grappner is probably sick and tired of fighting weeds he 's ready to go. Uh, God bless Matt Grappner, who shows up every Friday all summer long to mow the lawn and take care of the care of the place. Yes uh, he is a hero for sure, uh, but so matt 's like, "Oh, my ship has come in. It feels like vacation <laughs> uh, The last couple of years, we really have probed this area of town, and like I said, nothing has really revealed itself as being available or uh, compelling. So about six months ago, Pastor Rick and I did this little exercise. We, we sort of drew a, a makeshift map uh, of Spokane to try and figure out where do we live as a church family? Where where are we? Where do we live? Where's our influence? Uh, where's our greatest potential for achieving our, our goal? And the reality is that actually a very small percentage of us live on the South Hill, uh, which, is, which is kind of funny. Uh, But the truth of the matter is when we came here and started the church, God opened this door for us and we walked through that door and he has provided so generously and it's been amazing. Uh, But over half of us actually live north of the Spokane River. So the question is, if our mission is to help people know Jesus through strengthening families and we've set a goal to reach 100 new families, what geographic area gives us the best chance to make that happen? And so I want to say, uh, just acknowledge the fact, I realize this will present a convenience for some and an inconvenience for others. Uh, Everyone who's been commuting 30, 40 minutes, and then it's going to get shorter, uh, will be excited. Uh, I totally, totally get that. I just just want to acknowledge that. Um, But as a spiritual advisory council, we walked through a few places. Uh, Pastor Rick and I uh, walked through a couple of schools. The council ultimately went through uh, the one that we have settled on. but we've prayed, we've talked, we've really tried to weigh as a group, as a team, where God is leading. And there's this story in Acts 15 where the Jerusalem Council meets, and they have this uh, It's kind of a funny interaction to us. Uh, what they're trying to make a decision on is whether or not uh, Gentiles, non-Jews, who are converting to Christianity should have to be circumcised in accordance with the Jewish law. Like, wow, well, who wants to be responsible for making that decision? Uh, but they're trying to decide uh, if we should hold them to that. And ultimately, they decide not. And what it says in Acts 15, 28, it says that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Uh, they discussed, they prayed, as have we done, and we have submitted a, an application with the Spokane School District to rent Westview Elementary for our weekly gatherings beginning later this spring. So Westview Elementary is kind of in the northwest corner of Spokane. It's near Uh, Francis and Indian Trail. Uh, I actually drove from there to here this morning. It took me 16 minutes, uh, which is, at least in my opinion, not much of a commute. But then again, I live in that part of town, so sort of my normal commute. I drive here from there four or five days a week. Uh, So we have submitted that. Now, again, I acknowledge some people are like, yes, that's like 10 minutes from my house. And some people are like, no, that's like 99% farther from my house. Uh, But the truth is... uh, Church is not just about Sunday morning. Church is about how we live um, at all times. For me, uh, that commute part is not, is not a big deal. For some, some people, it will be a very much, much bigger deal. But at this point, we've submitted that application. They have given us a verbal yes. Uh, so you never know until it's in ink. Uh, but I'm just coming to you with that uh, as early as possible. So that was total information dump. Here's three things that I want you to just be able to take away from, from all of that. The first one is this. We could theoretically stay here and keep doing what we're doing until the building falls down. We just can't keep doing that with me as a pastor because the Holy Spirit has compelled me to move on. Much like my friend years ago who said, if you're going to do this, you need to go do it. Um, that's exactly where I'm at right now. I'm going to speak just for myself, um, but I have a feeling that Pastor Rick would say yes and amen to that, uh, along with... Uh, many of the other people who've been in discussion, uh, including our spiritual advisory council. Uh, for me, it's better for us to get out and fire our cannonball than it is to stay here and let the cannonball rust. That's, that's where I'm at. The second thing is, yes, we're relocating our Sunday gathering. Um, but we fully intend to maintain and grow our community and group network here on the South Hill. There are some really, really good and meaningful things that are happening that are intricately a part of who we are as a church family. Uh, Much the same way as when we're meeting here, we have some really strong community groups on the north side of Spokane already happening and have for years. The same dynamic exists uh, here. There are some really important groups that meet. uh, One meets here at the church. One meets at Aero Fitness. Um. You know, our hope is that those will continue to go and thrive, because truthfully, that's where discipleship happens, in relationship. The third thing is that this conversation is really not just about a Sunday morning service. Sunday service really is a small portion of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a part of his family. It's really about us uh, taking a risk, going out on the ledge, pursuing God's plan A for our lives, really putting everything out in front of us to say we're going to go all in to do what we're said we're trying to do, and that's how people know Jesus through strengthening families. Uh, we're going all in for that. So uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come on up. That's kind of the, uh, the informational piece of that, but he'll kind of talk through some next steps for us.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah, so... Um, oh, thank you. I, in, in, we are going to go over just a, a few practical next steps things, but I just want to say this. Uh, the thing... That I love about rockets, bringing this back to the rocket, right? (laughs) I just decided I was going to watch some rocket videos, like some launches, right, this week. And the thing that, um, whether it be, you know, Apollo 13 movie most of us have probably seen or anything involving a rocket, there's always that moment, like, right before ignition where everybody's just
1: sweating, you know what I mean? Like, where they're
0: just like, what in the world is going to happen? Like, we prepared, prepared, prepared. They're experts, if there's anybody in the world that can fire a rocket off into space, it's those people, and yet they're just like, man, what's going to happen? In some ways, I have a similar disposition towards what God's doing in our, in our situation and in my life. I'm not sweating. That's the difference. I'm totally confident that God's going to provide whatever he intends to do, but there's the unknown. Right? When you fire a rocket into space, you really don't know what's going to happen. And so what happens in that is they have to have faith. They have to have faith that what they've been efforting to do this whole time is going to actually play out. I would say the situation is the same for all of us. We have to continue to have faith that what God's doing and where he's leading and what he's orchestrating in Center Church is going to happen. It's gonna happen with or without Pastor Kelly, with or without myself, but it's gonna happen. We just, we get the privilege of being on board. And so so launching this rocket, right, stage two of center church, why that imagery is so important is because it does require faith. It requires incredible faith, including, uh, like Pastor Kelly said, for those of you that might have to drive further, just have faith that that gas money will be in the budget and that you will not run into more annoying drivers. I am prayerfully (laughs) considering that for you. You know, spiritually speaking, stage two. Uh, it's not, it cannot simply depend, be dependent on us. It has to be dependent on God and his great work through us. It, it, if it's only a human effort and lacks that faith that I'm talking about, it just won't work. And we have intended that to be the case by design. We want to take the risk, as Pastor Kelly said. And then philosophically, you know, plan A is a, is a ministry philosophy, and it's so much more than just having church on Sundays, as Pastor Kelly has said. It's our DNA, it means that the other six days of the week are just important, just as important as what we do on Sundays and just as important as where we have our Sunday gatherings. We, we prayerfully are asking God to allow us to accomplish things that are beyond our wildest dreams, truthfully. Things that, that are beyond our wildest dreams and that Jesus would be the hero of Center Church, that Jesus would be the hero of Center Church regardless of where we gather on Sundays. So I just pray that that would be the case for you as well. Now... A couple of really practical things that you're, you know, are going to affect you and that are going to be needs for Center Church as we make this transition. Our kids' ministry is, and will continue to be of critical importance uh, to Center Church, obviously, Plan A and Strengthening Families. We need to be ministering to our kids. And we're working through some philosophical, practical uh, shifts in our kids' ministry. And one that you're going to notice right away is that we're changing the name. We're going from Vortex Kids to Center Kids. So you're going to start hearing us talk about center kids. Sounds plain? It is. It's vanilla. It's the vanilla of names. But it will, it will not feel like vanilla to our kids. We believe that God's planning for ministry to the kids of, of this church and all the kids that will come into this church is through the parent or caretaker of that child. And so Center Church's mission is to equip, empower, and resource parents to be the ministers to their kids on a daily basis, right? Seven days a week, not just on Sunday. So Center Kids is really ministry to kids, but it's also ministry to parents. It's ministry to both. It's preparing our kids to be less dependent and eventually non-dependent on us and totally dependent on Jesus. Right? That's what we're trying to prepare. So you've started to see some of those, as Pastor Kelly have mentioned. We have uh, resources on the back table. You can either have them emailed or printed that are just conversations around what we've been talking about downstairs. Um, and we will continue to do that. We'll continue to have those resources, both electronic and physical resources. Simultaneously, on Sundays, we've been doing a lot less teaching. I put that in quotes. Um, and we're doing more relationship building Uh, The goal has always been and will continue to be to create a safe space where our kids just have to be. Like when they miss, they are bummed out. Like they want to be at church, and that's going to continue to be the goal. Now, a change of venue opens up a lot of opportunities for us to do that, and so we want to continue to excel at helping kids know Jesus while having a blast. That's really what we wanna do. That's our ministry focus. But in order to pull that off, we need more people than we currently have, right? So so here's the thing. We need six more partners in Center Kids. We need six more partners that aren't already doing something with Center Kids. And so here's the thing. The activities could be a number of different things, okay? They they could be set up and tear down of the kids area. Could be check-in, check-out from the Center Kids space. It could be helping care for our babies, it could be just leading our preschool and grade schoolers through a game or a craft or an adventure or a relationship-building activity. Here's what Center Kids is not. Here's what being part of it is not. You will not be their teacher. Like, they already have some of those. They have them at home and they have them at school. We're not asking you to be a teacher. You will be showing kids at Center Church, if you partner with Center Kids, how to love Jesus and have fun at the same time. Yeah, right? That's awesome. <laughs> You can love Jesus and have fun at the same time. I think we've, we've, we've modeled that a little bit. We're going to continue to do that more and more and more. So here's, here's my call to action in that regard. Uh, if that idea of helping a, a young person know Jesus while having fun excites you, we just want you to sign up to be a partner at, with Center Kids. And you can do that on the back table. Uh, if you would write down your name, uh, email, and phone number, I'm certain for most of you we already have that, but maybe we don't. And I wanna be able to get in contact with you as soon as possible and get you plugged in as we make this transition. The other really noticeable thing that you're going to see is in our Connect team. Uh, Riley, why don't you come back up here. Garrett, come on up here. I just wanna show you. These are two of our Connect team people. You can see their shirts. Yep. They're hopefully out there with a smile greeting you, but they might have been goofing off, right? That's what we do, we have fun, right? And on the back, they have our slogan. It says, Helping People Know Jesus Through Heroic Hospitality. Okay, that's, that's the mission and goal. Thank you, guys. You guys are great models. Um, yes. They are, they are and will continue to be the team that greets people as they arrive on Sunday and host Sunday connecting events like uh, Scoop Fest and Lemonade Stand and Cookie Feast, all the things that we do, but there will be a much expanded role as well. Uh, set up and tear down of all the things that happen on Sunday and on special events that are not kid related, right? Uh, transportation of the center church stuff. If we're going to be a mobile church going in and out of a school on Sundays, we're going to have to get the stuff from a storage unit, likely in a trailer, and tow it to the building and then tow it back to the, the space afterwards, right? Um, Other things that'll be is uh, they'll be able to host the Connect table, uh, which is basically the table we have now, but we'll be enriching the resources there and growing the resources and helping people find next steps and how to connect. I mean, if we're going to bring in 100 new families to be part of Center Church and equip them to be uh, disciples of Jesus, which means we can't just have them there, we actually have to disciple them, Uh, then we need to be able to give them the things that they need to do that. So the capacity is going to grow. In essence, the connect team are, the connect team is the host of the service. It's the host of the service. And so if you're a person who loves people and you just wanna chat it up and greet people, we have a spot for you. If you're a person who's like, don't, I don't wanna talk to anybody, just tell me what to do, and you're a doer, we have a spot for you there as well. We need, we need people to sign up to be part of our Connect team. So here's my call to action. If you can get excited about helping host and create an environment where people can come in and feel welcomed and loved and get the things that they need to strengthen their family and help them know Jesus, then we want you to be on Connect team. And here's what we're really asking for. We need 20 to 25 people in addition to the ones that already exist. Okay, we need 20 to 25 people in addition to the ones that already exist. And so if you think, I could do something like that, same thing. We want you to sign up in the back. We want you to sign up, and we, we have tons of needs and tons of space to put people um, you know, on a team and, and get going in that regard. Your efforts, uh, really, if you're part of Center Church, we really need you to be part of one of those two teams. That's going to give us a running start towards the goal. So you can ask yourself this question, and then we're going to close in some prayer and some song. Uh, how does what I'm doing fit into what we are doing? We've asked that question before. We want you to consider that again and again and again. How does what I'm doing fit into what we are doing? Can the thing that I'm passionate about fit into the thing that we are passionate about? And my answer to that is yes, yes, okay? And so if that's the same answer for you, we want you to get connected there as well. All right, so I'm gonna invite the band up. We're gonna have we're just gonna have some prayer together, and then we're gonna sing, and then we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing. All right, we're gonna sing two songs. Uh, I've invited two different families to come up and pray uh, over specific things um, here in just one second. But let me just say this: we we need to cover this whole thing in prayer. We have been praying. Our spiritual advisory council has been praying. Um, people who don't really know why they're praying have been praying and telling me I just really feel like we've been needing to pray, and I'm like. Well, you're gonna know why, you know, pretty soon, because because God has to do something great here. And so, look, we had the the prayer and worship night a couple weeks ago, and that was, you know, people were here and they were praying. I mean, it's just it just has to be a rhythm and a language and a pattern that we have uh, in order for any ministry to be successful, right? And so, we're gonna do that together. So, why don't you do me a favor?